and I'm going to keep it open and watch yes. watch this the entire time. I'll I'll split the screen uh, because yes. bad bad things happen if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Alyssa, find the episode that we recorded twice, once with all of us and the second time with Eli just I still yeah, haven't like listened to that. His... Oh. Really it's honestly, you can't good. tell. You cannot tell at all. <laughs> I, only, I only spent about seven hours doing that, so <laughs> it's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was impressive. I think we should never tell the audience. We should tell the audience, like, that it exists, but we'll never reveal which, which episode it is. Then they'll just point out all of our awkward silences and all of our recordings. Which I think <laughs> Did you not say it in the description? That Eli fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> no, are you kidding me? I No, that, that is fake it till you make it all the way. <laughs> I was super impressed. Welcome to Buckheap Radio. We're coming to you from the Crow's Nest. This is episode 19, Ship of Magic, chapters prologue through chapter 5. And I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a new reader this time. I'm Eli, and I'm also a new reader. I'm Elena, I'm a new reader. And I'm Ashley, holding it down with the new readers. So first up is corrections, omissions, and announcements. We've got a little bit of a longer section this time because we've been away for a month. So we're back. We are in a new trilogy. Uh, and just as a reminder, we're going to do content warnings for scenes of sexual violence. Uh, so we do have a content warning for Chapter 2 coming up. Uh, I put that in the description in the intro. I'm saying it now. I will say it again when we cover chapter two. And then subsequently, if we have any content warnings for any upcoming reading sections, I will let you know uh, at the end of each episode. Now that that's out of the way, uh, again, only me and Alyssa have read this trilogy before. And special note, Alyssa is the only one that has read the Rainwilds. I just love water. <laughs> yeah. So all those people Please. that wanted us to know stuff from the Rainwilds. Now we have someone. Yeah, now we have someone. Please direct all of your questions and comments to Alyssa. I maybe will answer them. <laughs> uh, and we do have a lot of new readers on this section. So uh, reader perspective, uh, you know, for, for new readers, this is it. This is, this is going to be your jam. And then also special note, Elena is like kind of almost truly new reader because she has not read all of the first trilogy yet so a lot of this is just going to be super new to her cool yeah if you uh missed the intro i've only read um the first book of the original of the farseer trilogy and i've like two two or three chapters of royal assassin and i just quit so i could be sure to um get this reading done on time yeah, we wanted to be true to a lot of people's reader experience where they started reading everything out of order, like complete psychos. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Plus, you know, the whole like ma- ma- magic magic ship, not um, not super heavy emotional, you know, emotionally damaged protagonist. I don't know. That just seemed seemed more my jam. 
keep reading. All right. So. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a shout out to Sarah and Nana for the five star reviews on Apple uh, Podcasts. Thank you for those. We see them and we appreciate them. And also hello to all of our international listeners, of which I think that you are 70% of our listeners, which is a little terrifying. And we are very sorry that you are being subjected to all of our varying American accents. You're getting you're getting a nice breadth of experience. Especially mine. <laughs> the Midwest is not great. Hey. I'm there too. Uh, thank, yeah. Or was Yeah, there. Rachel and I have a smidge of a leftover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, thank you for all of your kind words on our social media accounts during our break. It was very nice to see those come in while we weren't reading or recording. So thank you. Um, I also direct you to the Podbean site where we have links, and I'll put a link in the description as well to Alyssa's live ship playlist, keeping that tradition alive. It's really good. I've listened to it a bunch. Oh, thank you. We'll have to incorporate it into our Dragon Con playlist. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get into this. So, reminder: we just finished the far, uh, the the Farseer trilogy, in which our hero Fitz Chivalry Farseer, the bastard son of the dead king in waiting, realizes who he is, becomes an assassin for the king, goes on adventures, beats a wolf, dies, dies becomes a wolf, <laughs> comes back to life. Goes on a journey to the mountains with his best friend and a bard and an old lady. And they awaken some stone dragons and they save everyone, but we still don't know why everyone needed saving in the first place. So that's where we are. <laughs> and we're not uh, going to find out. Read... <laughs> we're not going to find out why or anything about that. So who wants to read the Ship of Magic blurb? Oh, I'll do it because I didn't do any work for this episode, so I guess I'll have to do something. Yeah, okay, Eli, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Bingtown is a hub of exotic trade and home to a merchant nobility famed for its live ships, rare vessels carved from wizardwood, which ripens magically into sentient awareness. Now the fortunes of one Bingtown, one of Bingtown's oldest families rests on the newly awakened live ship Vivacia. The ship is her right, although for Althea Vestret, her, the ship is her rightful legacy her young nephew wrenched from his religious studies and forced to serve aboard the ship, the Vivacia is a life sentence. For the fate of the ship and the Vestrits may ultimately lie in the hands of an outsider, the ruthless buccaneer Captain Kennet, who plans to seize power over the pirate isles by capturing a live ship and bending it to his will. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so this sounds just like the Farseer trilogy. I don't know. <laughs> there was a ship once. <laughs> he did that's when he got that's he got, when Fitz I mean, got least... swole when they put him out on the ship yeah when he got swole when he got those yeah. shoulders off <laughs> made him hot um there is a rather long dedication at the beginning of this book <laughs> that seem appears to list a lot of ship names but i don't know if they're real ships or if they're people who have been turned into ships <laughs> i tried Maybe. to look up these names and could find absolutely nothing but if each of you were a ship name from this list which one would you be lesbian warmonger the free, <laughs> the free lunch it's the only one i read i've got to be honest like i saw all these words and it was the only one i saw i want to be massive i know bro. that one's really yeah. good i also like the devil's I'm gonna be the free lunch yeah, I like free lunch. That one's good. <laughs> the devil's paw, yeah. actually. I think for sure I'm the entrance point. 
<laughs> Although I want to know why it's Gummy Bears Ahoy on the Faithful. Like, are these ships that Robin Hobb has been on? I don't... She's been on a lot of fucking boats. Why does it say the aptly named Massacre Bay? I'm gonna guess people fucking died. <laughs> Y'all all had the uh, silly silliness with your names. Clearly, I'm Rain Lady. It's the only poet on the list, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was gonna say, Rain Lady sounds nice. Yeah. That sounds like a nice... Like, I would serve on that ship. I wouldn't do any work, but I would, <laughs> I would, ride, I would ride on it. It's the one ship that you're guaranteed not to get a sunburn on. You're, you're, you're not going to come out like with that, you know, mariner's tan. Yeah. That's important to me. Rachel does not do well in the sun. <laughs> she really cooks up real fast. With a little marshmallow <laughs> on a flame. Uh, all right. So our settings are Bingtown. Divi Town and the Sea, uh, and we are going to talk about a whole cast of characters because this was the kind of the big intro. So I wrote all their names down. We've got Althea Vestret, Efren Vestret, Ronica Vestret, Kefria Vestret, Kyle Haven, Wintrow Haven, Malta Haven, who is mentioned, Brashen Trell, Devad Restart, Raish, which we'll talk about, <laughs> Kenneth. <laughs> <laughs> It sounded like a threat. The the least important character in the cast. (laughs) I've got words to say about Rach. I got words about that. And Paragon, who is also mentioned. Uh, So take us away with the prologue, Elena. All right. Um, Let me pull it up in front of my eyeballs here. All right. So the prologue, this is one of those prologues that seems pretty disconnected from the rest of the characters. Uh, we meet a tangle of sea serpents, which mm, maybe dragons, um, <clears throat> going through their molt process, and they are debating whether it's time to migrate north again. They say it's been about a hundred years in the same spot, and everything seems fine. But their uh, sort of seer dragon Malkin, uh, he's seems like he kind of sees across time and space. He says it's time, and like kind of has a freak out and starts swimming. And the rest of them debate a little bit and then ultimately follow him. Um, and just for useful, cool terms, they call the sea the plenty and the air the lack. And they call themselves a tangle. I like it. And I no, think that's about it sense. for the prologue. <laughs> they sounded like they looked really cool. I, yeah. want, I would like some more descriptors on these guys because they just sound very pretty and dramatic i don't know i like the gold eye pattern yeah it just was like you know going back into robin hub's descriptions of like kind of gross things (laughs) (laughs) they're molting and eating their molting yeah that i thought it was a little (laughs) i I don't need to read this let me display that i'm telling the truth by excreting poison and then eating it yeah. Mm. <laughs> God, she just can't help herself. It's like the equivalent of it when you see a worse. petty egg commercial. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah, or those Instagram videos that they're like, you want to watch someone pop Oh, no, we're done. And you're nope. like, no, I don't. <laughs> so it seemed like when they, he was describing the how he could see into the past, it, it sounded like he was describing that he could see what his... Maybe what previous dragons had seen, 
or previous serpents had seen. But it but it sort of left it ambiguous because of the like the time thing. It almost made it seem like maybe he could see into the future too, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I don't. Mm-hmm. Interesting to note. I don't know, uh, especially considering previous, you know, prophecy related shit. Who knows? <laughs> could could also <laughs> I don't know. It reminded me of like concepts of like the collective unconscious, where you know can certain. Are there certain people oh, who are yeah, like, yeah, capable yeah. of like tapping into that? Like that's that's what it was vibing to me. But um, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. I like that. I feel like we're going to get some really deep, insightful things from Elena in this, and I'm just going to be like, <laughs> "Fuck, fuck, fuck, fuck." <laughs> I'm going to be one thousand percent less insightful with these books. I'm going to say it right now. Just gonna, yeah. It's just going to be bullshit all the time. <laughs> So interestingly enough, we know what time of year it is because before chapter one, we are told that it is now it's midsummer. midsummer. Not that creepy kind of midsummer. <laughs> Just midsummer. Yeah, not, not midsummer. <laughs> not that one. Um, so Ashley, please take us into chapter one. All right, you guys. Chapter one is of, pre- of priests and pirates. And the intro is there are no intros. Big change from the other books. <laughs> Had to kind of get over it. <laughs> Um, so the chapter opens up with the pirate Kennet, and I'll hold my opinions on that, on him, walking <laughs> mm-hmm. across Others Island with his minion Gankin on a path that is suspiciously clear of fallen leaves and plant life, which I feel mm-hmm. like we've heard that before. Uh, <laughs> they've left his ship, the Marietta, kind of precariously anchored, and they are, um, marching across the island on a real quick timeline. Gankin and Kennet arrive at their destination, Treasure Beach, and they start collecting the somehow pristine items that have washed up on the shore. It's jewelry, it's trinkets. Uh, there's these really awesome clip-on nails that hold poison in the tips of them, which like I desperately need in my life. And then, more disturbingly, there's a bag of dead kittens. I don't like what the fuck with that. That Blue was very upsetting to me. Um, <laughs> While the beach turns up lots of cool, yeah, it's it's a random, random assortment. So while the beach is turning up lots of cool stuff, the beach is guarded by the others and these smelly, scaly, kind of slack-jawed creatures that can trick the mind and burp words in English. And (laughs) the rules dictate that anybody who comes onto Treasure Beach cannot remove any of the items that they find. So Kenneth has plans of his own, though. He, um, we learned that he's on a mission to, one, have an oracle tell him if he will succeed in what he aspires, two, to see if his creepy little wizard word carp face pendant thing that he wears on his wrist that he murdered someone <laughs> for will actually protect him, and three, to prove to us that he does indeed suck, because JK, I'm not going to hold my opinions, <laughs> like, straight out the gates. This guy is, like, a piece of heaping garbage. <laughs> um, they made that very, very clear straight out the gate. Uh, we mostly learn that Kenneth thinks he's above the law, he isn't afraid to murder people, and he has greed flowing through his veins, which, okay, you know, he's a pirate. It's very piratey of him. So then the chapter cuts over and we cut to Wintro and Wintro has just done his own version of like a con crunch. He was creating this marvelous stained glass window <laughs> with this beautiful tree and he doesn't remember doing it. <laughs> He's been doing it for hours upon hours been and there. somebody had to nudge him and be like, dude, you haven't eaten or drank anything in a while. Like you need to take a break. Um, he stirred from his trance like work state by Barandal and we learned that they're both priests studying Sa, the god. And doing priestly things. And he's come to tell Wintro that he's being sent home because his grandfather is dying. And we learn that Wintro comes from a trader family of Bingtown, the Vestrits. 
His mother fell ill once, and his father promised that if she survived, he would dedicate one of his children to Sa. And he um, was picked on a lot by his grandfather and his family. He was really scrawny. He had a gimpy arm because he hurt it or broke it, it sounds like, when he was small. And so I guess the choice was easy for the family. Um, And he does not look forward to riding the boat and going home. So then it cuts back over to the beach and we have Kenneth who's collected all of his treasures on the beach and he realizes that he's being watched by an other and he realizes pretty quickly that the other is trying to trick his mind but he's able to shake it off and he presents all of his trinkets and he gives gold coins to the other and he hears um, he asks his question about will he succeed in what he aspires and um, the oracle says that he will succeed in his heart's desire and um, he's kind of ready to move on. So the other knows that he's hiding some treasure in his pocket, but Kenneth doesn't give a fuck and he decides that he's going to leave with it. And on his way out, he's like, I can do what I want. And he crushes one of the treasures, this little bauble that he found. And then he also, for good measure, tells the other that he has a cat problem on his hands. And there's like cats running loose on the beach, even though they're dead, because apparently others are incredibly terrified of cats, which I cannot relate to at all. Um, and Kenneth Gankin start hauling us back to the ship so they can leave before the tide strain them because anyone who stays on the island dies and Kenneth gets tricked again through the magic and he thinks that he wants to stay on the island. So he tricks Gankin to take this, um, necklace back to the other so that he can break off on his own and do his own thing. But then his little creepy little face charm thing starts talking to him, shakes him out of his magic trance and he realizes like oh fuck i gotta get the hell out of here because the boat's gonna leave without me and he starts running back to the boat and then all of a sudden Gekin comes out of nowhere i don't know how he made such good time it's like he's the flash <laughs> or something he just like starts speeding behind him you hear his feet thudding he just up tossed and the that two necklace. Of them... he didn't go back <laughs> yeah, he just chucked it the so the the two of them end up making it back to the boat and getting off the island so, so much happens just in one chapter for like setting up the world, you know, yeah. like, like introducing kind of like three different kinds of magic all at once. Like mm-hmm. we have these weird others and like, and like the prophet stuff that they do. We've got this talking uh, pendant and then we have whatever it is Wintrow is doing when he's making beautiful things in a trance, which could just yeah. be raw talent, really. It could. Yeah. It's, it's really? called a flow state mm-hmm. and... Um, they don't necessarily involve psychotropics, so they can, but they don't have to just saying. I mean, I have totally been there where you're like, all right, I haven't moved for five years. <laughs> <Can't> <laughs> relate. Anymore. How did I make this? Was it me? <laughs> it must've been saw. Saw did it. Me. <laughs> well, now we know who to call on when we're con crunching. So <laughs> saw flow yeah. through me. <laughs> The God of Con Crunches saw. Uh, I have thoughts about yes, it, okay. but I think we have to wait further to talk about so, it. So, okay, I want to talk about the others because I will keep as many cats in my apartment as needed. <laughs> like, what are you picturing? Like, I'm picturing like a half seal... Like, you know those little, you know the people after Ursula takes people's voices and, like, puts <laughs> yeah. them? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> those little, like, shriveled up people with the eyes. But, like, that, but the size of a seal and with arms. What I, what I was picturing was, like, do you remember uh, the Sauron, I think is what it was called, or the Saren, 
from uh, Thief with No oh, Shadow, yeah. where it was like yeah. kind of vaguely like man figured, but then it had like almost like a fish head or like you know the gills or like the, I don't know like old fifties kind of like yeah, creature like from the Black Lagoon type. Yeah, you yeah. know, I was picturing something like that. Yeah, I like it, and he's got his creepy little venom teeth. Ooh. I just like that he burped. What is the what is burp talk? What is the lizard creature on the planet that talks in uh, in Star Trek Next Generation? He talks in references to things. Darmok. Darmok. Yes, that's what it reminded me of. How do you remember that shit? I love Star Trek, and I definitely did not remember what he was called. (laughs) That's a really great episode. Is is everyone watching Picard, or is it just me? I haven't. No, I just I, it's, I'm sick of paying all these disparate streaming services. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Uh, all right, do we want to talk about how much we hate Kenneth? Because I fucking hate. Kenneth. <laughs> I mean, they paint a really <laughs> grotesque picture of him straight away, um, especially when they tell the story of how he got his pendant. Yeah, and you know so, he goes to this artist and pays all this money, and then as soon as he gets it, he kills him. I'm like, whoa, cutthroat. I will admit that this chapter, I thought that he was, like, a really fun, terrible person. I was like, this is a fun guy to watch. wonder what's different about you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but he was, like, manipulative and thought so little of this minion that he had I know, but, him. like... And I, he talks about how he's murdered people and how he just wants to trick people. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just people. Yeah. I like he was, like, a agenda. good, like, mustache-twirling villain. But I... It all... The illusion went away with Chapter 4, so... <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I, I hated him from the start. <laughs> Well, he's, he's clearly a terrible person, but like, there's the there's a ter- the terrible person who's actually like fantastic at being a terrible person, which is I like think kind of what Eli yeah. was talking about. Versus like being yeah. a terrible person who also like sucks at being a terrible person, which is you know what comes later. There's the terrible person that you love to hate. This person I just don't like at all. Right. right. Although according to someone on Tumblr. It's the greatest villain of the universe, okay, apparently. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to agree with you. It's a bold statement, <laughs> and I'm not there for it. I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, we're being introduced to to two characters, right? Like we've got we got Wintro and we got Kennet. So I guess these are our, <laughs> you know, our two opposites, right? I'll take Wintro and his, you know, magical trance creations over Kennet any day. The elitist wet blanket. Uh. I was going to say, like, a super capitalist, like... He might be, like, the most cinnamon rolly of these people, though. Like, everybody's so... A wintro? Everybody's so <laughs> shitty in this book. All of them. Yeah, not enough bad things have ever happened to Wintro, I think. He's, he's pretty sheltered. Yeah. He hasn't died yet. I'm sh- I'm sure Robin will take care of him. <laughs> I'm sure it will go well. Shall we move on to chapter two? Sure. Oh, that one's mine. So chapter two is called Live Ships. And reminder that we do have a content warning for mention of a sexual assault of a child. So fun times. Hooray. Uh, if you don't like that, then yeah, skip ahead. Um, 
Yeah, skip ahead like two minutes and then we'll be done talking about it. So this chapter begins with Brashen having a dream, which ends up being a recurring dream about serpents. Uh, And he's been having this dream since he was very young, uh, but he has also seen them IRL. Uh, And so rather than dwell on his newly demoted life under Captain Haven, because he used to be uh, the, you know, the right hand man to Captain Vestrit, uh, Brashen recalls the first time that he saw a serpent when he was 14. Uh, after he'd gone back to, or gone up or out or over to the deck to escape <laughs> the attention. We know of how ships sailor. work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, he had encountered a serpent and it basically tried to influence him into throwing himself into the ocean, I guess, to be eaten. Uh, it's kind of like a beguiling and long scene that he realizes like, oh no, I don't w- really want to kill myself. I want to live, but the serpent is trying to convince me. So then in the next scene, we meet Althea Vestrit. She's the daughter of the old captain and the sister-in-law to the current. Uh, so she's been rearranging cargo in the hold and she's been called to Captain Haven's office. So they proceed to have a very long and increasingly dramatic argument uh, about Althea's place on the Vivacia. Althea believes that it's her right, her inheritance, and uh, Efren has always allowed her to do as she pleased outside of the traditional roles of women. She has her own cabin on the Vivacia, and she's been sailing on her for a long time. But Captain Kyle bristles at the challenge that she represents to his authority. So Kyle is especially mad because Althea got drunk the other night and told some crew members that she thought Kyle was basically a bad captain, trademark. So (laughs) Kyle eventually slaps Althea for being mouthy and insulting her sister, who is his wife, and he confines her to quarters. There, Althea stews and comforts herself with thoughts of Avesha and the thought that the ship will will prefer Althea once she quickens. Like, she's not going to put up with all of these, like, terrible people. She's going to make sure everything goes back to normal. Um, there's a lot of ship and Vestrit family politics packed into this intro, but I'm going to leave that to our discussion. So the next scene puts us uh, on a beach outside of Bingtown with the beached hulk of the Paragon as he overhears a trader named Devad negotiate a deal with a newcomer named Mingsley on the purchase of said hulk. So Devad thinks that Mingsley's going to going to refit the live ship and sail it despite, you know, all of like the bad juju. But eventually it comes out that Mingsley would rather chop up the Paragon for the wizard wood. Uh, and this really like disturbs and distresses Devad. He tries to talk him out of it, uh, but he doesn't really like say he can't do it. Like he's still going to sell the Paragon if he can. So as they leave, Paragon ponders pleasantly if being chopped into bits would actually kill him. Which made me so sad for Paragon. What happened to Paragon to make him so sad? Yeah, well, this is, you know, again, the next... The next wave of our main characters, right? We've got Brashen, who seems like a decent guy. Uh, Maybe a little simple. Uh, We've got Althea, who seems to be like... She's really made of main character material. Uh, Captain Kyle, who appears to just be an absolute shithead. Agreed. Oh. If this was a scary movie, you know that he would be the first to die. Like, he's just that shitty. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's the guy in Jurassic Park, like the lawyer who gets eaten in the grass yeah. hut on the toilet. <laughs> like, that's the way he goes out. Um, at, well, I, I think later on we could talk about this, or maybe we could talk about this now. We're being presented with a very specific kind of, like, toxic masculinity with Kyle mm-hmm. and Kenneth. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, it's a little too real for me. Like, 
as a, as a citizen of Earth. <laughs> but it's like it's you know what I mean. It's like the it's like the hopelessly powerless man who just kind of blames all of that on women. I and, miss like, yeah. the six duchies. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when, like, when, since when is the six duchies the progressive right? part of the map? What's happening? But what we, and I don't know what chapter this is mentioned in, but like, women used to have a lot more power. It's the next but then, chapter, but yeah. Yeah. It's like when times were hard, they were like, yeah, we need everybody to do everything they can. And then when times got good, they were like, uh. Is you that why it's better in the six duchies? Because times are just always shitty there, and they're like, well, we got to have everybody. Yeah, just yeah. be shitty together. <laughs> well, it's definitely, like, rooted in this kind of capitalism idea, right? Where it's just, like, it's really all, like, which of these families have money? How do they keep money? How are they managing yeah, money? It's... How are they moving the money around from one family to the next? It's like, it makes us yeah. look poor if we have to use women to help us. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, it's a poor leveraging seems... of assets, really, but, you know, but there's ego involved there. Like, oh, well, the men in the family are like, we're smart enough and brave enough that we can make it just on, on our smarts and like our wherewithal instead of being like, hey, let me find the smartest bitch I can. Cause then there's going to be two of us in this family and we're going to have even more power and you know, whatever. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like I pick up a book like this. And I'm going to think, oh, okay, we're living in fantasy pirate life where everyone ha- is like, is cool and like down on their luck, but they're all, you know, they're just looking for treasure. I I didn't expect that I was going to be kind of reading a treatise on the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> and how it like is, cre- you know, creeping into a formerly like free and equitable society and culture and like poisoning it. Yeah. 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 And like, especially like, like down on the ground per person, like what that kind of system does to men. It's depressing. Because like, like I obviously am, am feeling a lot of connection to a character like Althea because, you know, she, she's like, well, I, this is my birthright. This is where I belong. This is what I was raised to do. And some guys taking it from me just because I'm a woman. Um, and like, I, I feel like I feel badly for her and I can understand her. But then like I see a character like Kyle who's really just sort of performing authority instead of actually having it. Right. And, and it seems like that's focused on Althea or at least because it's from her point of view, it's focused on Althea. Although we do, you know, reminder that Brashen has found himself demoted because he was too close to the old captain. And so he's a threat to this new captain. And I don't really know how Paragon... I think there's probably some significant financial aspect to it that is not necessarily talked about, but is implied because, I mean, what what comes later. But his family must be much better off than the Vestrits or or something. Because I I can't see any other reason why... uh, Efron well, would also, be so. Althea is like kind of racist towards him, in like a weird like way, because she's like, oh, he's just like you can see his Chalcedian blood. He's blonde. Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's like things about his physicality based on like his ethnicity that she doesn't like. 
And all I know about Chelsea, Chelsidian, Chelsid, Chelsid. All I know about Chelsid is that that's where Birch's crazy grandma is from. <laughs> and they have <laughs> slaves. Yay. And they have yeah. slaves, yeah. Because Birch's crazy grandma used to be a slave. Right. But hey, she came up with that neat idea on how to bring Fitz back to life, so. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't crazy at all. <laughs> totally normal. Totally normal. And then we are obviously are, uh, and I think Elena asked in our intro episode, do we get to meet any of the ships? Well, here we go. We've got Paragon, point of view of not a person. <laughs> yes. the Hope you're happy. The, the the consciousness of the ship. So that, that pleased me. And like Althea's sort of communications with Vivacious, like burgeoning consciousness was also like a, <clears throat> interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Who's got chapter three? Me. All right. Chapter three is called Ephron Vestrit. Ephron Vestrit is dying, as they like to say several times in this chapter. <laughs> so that's the gist of it. Um, we meet his wife, Ronica, and she is watching him die slowly, laid up in his sick bed, which seems to be in their bedroom, so I don't know where she sleeps now, but kind of sucks for her. Um, she's mad at him for dying and leaving her to deal with everything on her own. He's unconscious a lot, so she's doing the accounts. Uh, times are rough for the Vestrits and all of the old trading families in general in Bingtown due to competition from Chalced and the Red Ship Wars. Hi, six duchies and fits. Um, <laughs> it's also apparently weird and frowned upon that she runs the household and looks after the finances, so whatever patriarchy. Um, she also hates Rach, who is a serving woman. I hate her too. <laughs> I also hate Rach. <laughs> Note. Is that because she like, almost says your name? <laughs> Um, so she just put the L on there. There's no, no, it's just, it's a different name. It doesn't need the L. Maybe Rach hates her truncated name as well. I don't know. She, if she was Rachel, she would reach all her true potential. Um, anyways, she's the serving woman that, are we saying Davod, David, what? I don't know. David? David. Who's got, who's got the audiobook? Who's I do. The audiobook it's, they there? say Davod. Devad, okay. Right. Devad. So she's the serving woman that Devad brought to Ronica, and she doesn't like her because she doesn't do things properly. But she doesn't want to get rid of her because then she sent she'd be sent to Chalced and become a slave. And Ronica doesn't want to jump on the latest slavery trend to get with the times. So uh, Devad drops by and just sort of barges into their room because what's a lack of manners between sort of friends? Um, he seems to have a lot of bad manners though, that she is not fond of. Uh, sensibly, he's there to offer her a deal to sell some of her land to sort of help out the family, but that's the land that was first granted to them back in the day when the original trading families first settled in Bingtown, so that's pretty much off limits. Um, they argue for a long time over whether or not they need to abandon the old ways to fit in with the newbies that keep insisting upon showing up and ruining everything. Um, and then Efren wakes long enough to sort of agree with Ronica and tell her to keep the land and that they'll figure it out. But mostly he just cares about his ship and when it will be back because he really wants to die on it so that the Vivacia can quicken and solve all their problems. And he really wishes that he put Brashen in charge because he's not a fan of Kyle. And same, Efren, same. Um, <laughs> Efren then drifts, uh, slips back into dreamland with, with the help of the good drugs. And after a bunch more awkwardness, David finally leaves and Ronica takes in the changing sights of Bingtown and decides she can't do much about it right now because she's got her own problems to deal with. So I would like to 
point out some things. So, <laughs> go ahead. We... Does it start with an R and end with an E? <laughs> First off, I'm really sorry that Rach has that name. It's really just not great, and I wish it was better for her. Uh, gift her with an L. So, we have this kind of we have this character of Efren who is sick and in bed and being administered drugs and he controls everything and he's the head of the family and it seems like another character that we've seen that was also sick and in bed and controlling everything and on drugs. Yeah. Uh, so that seems to be a major theme in Hobbes' writing. Um, <laughs> gotta have the sick dying also, people. Gotta have those sick dying people and then the the ever suffering caretakers. Uh, <laughs> also. What what do they mean? I mean, I know because I've read this, but new readers, what the hell do they mean by dying on the Vivacia so she can quicken? Well, I thought that was kind of, like, sucky because they have to, like, like, three generations have to die before this shit comes to life. Like, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, the way it was set up um, uh, in the course of at least the first few chapters, so this may be getting a little ahead of where we are in chapter three, but... By the end of chapter five, it was very obvious that, like, the consciousness of, like, the previous generations somehow, like, like, enters or infuses the wizard wood. And so all of that together sort of becomes the consciousness of the live ship. I assume it's like the stone dragons where they, like, melt into the ship. Right. Yeah. So now, is this the answer to our question? And I am not at all saying that Wizardwood and the Stone Dragons are the same thing. But does this answer our, our old question of how many people does it take to make a Stone Dragon? Is it three? I don't know. It sounds pretty heavy. How many licks uh, to the center uh, of the Sitsi Pop? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we only have, we don't know. Those Stone Dragons, dragons have so to fly. Really the that. wooden ships just have to float. <laughs> <laughs> they just have to I drift. I think it'd be hard. Uh, I don't know. Do we think that this is a related magic, or am I leading us to a place just to make fun of you later? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not convinced it's related magic. I don't know. I'm gonna not Ashley say anything because me. I have read the last trilogy and I know certain things. Well, even even if it's not like related, it it could be following a similar logic, like sort of similar magical rules, um, because it's in the same world. So, does anyone want to explain to Elena what we mean by stone dragons? <laughs> Ashley, tag, you're it. Dragons that are made out of stone that are carved, not even really carved. My God, they're like exposed carvings. <laughs> There are these rocks. (laughs) So some people can use magic and (laughs) they can see the dragon in the stone and then they reveal it and then they die and the the dragon comes to life. (laughs) They die. They, They melt into the stone and then the stone comes to life as a dragon. Or whatever shape they carved it in, which they call dragons. Sometimes it's a pig with wings, but you know. Yeah, it's not always like an actual dragon. Um, but yeah. So I'm sure that made I a lot of sense. Do you guys? 
do you feel like you could is is I mean, we haven't really seen a lot of Bingtown yet. We'll see more of it later. But I'm kind of like thinking about what what kind of society is do, are we living in where it's basically a coastal trading town full of like people who sail ships and like, you know, do that kind of like long distance trading for a living. Um, and all of their ships can talk like like Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's all of them. Like it's pretty rare, right? How rare is it? Actually, I don't know. How rare like, is it? It seems mm. like every family has one, at least. I don't know why some of the families have them. I guess if you're a particularly long-lived family, then maybe your ship would take longer to quicken. Well, it, it sounds like... <laughs> I guess it, my thing is... Okay. It sounds like the Vestrids are pretty rich. I mean, like despite what they think from their point of view, they are pretty wealthy people. And they've been paying off this ship for three generations. Now, question. Does it have to be the captains? Does it have to be, like, the generations in succession? Like, can you just kill three of your family members and be like, here you go, ship? (laughs) (laughs) What happens to, like, the regular sailors that die on board? I don't know. They get thrown (laughs) into the water to be eaten by the The serpents. Serpents, I think yeah. if you just killed yeah. three people on board the ship, it wouldn't know how to sail on the seas. It would just be an idiot. Yeah, it would ship. just be a dumb <laughs> ship. Yeah. That'd be really great to do to your competitors. <laughs> just like get, just throw a bunch of idiots at at their boat. I'm not saying that you kill the crew members, but you kill like your family members. Like you know, you line up like, okay, say like you know, Grandma Vestrit. She lines up her husband, her son, and her grandson, and just like you know, kills them. All. Yeah. I think they have to. Do they have to die of natural causes? Because it seemed like the other two, the great grandma and the grandpa, died of just like being old and tired. True. What if they naturally fell down? (laughs) Well, if they naturally got like their, you know, like head chopped off on the (laughs) ship. What if it is like the stone dragon and what was their name, Tilly or what? The great grandma. What if? I, it seemed like she was just like, hey, peace out, I'm dead, and then she died. <laughs> like, what if it was her choice? She figured it out. She was like, yeah, I'm just going to meld into the ship. It was, it was her time. Well, I th- that's what I'm interested in seeing is what happens to the body. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we'll see this later. but we'll... I just think it's interesting that this is such a, like a, a openly accepted <laughs> form of magic. That like a ship is comes alive and has a mind of its own and like does all of these things where but like Fitz talked to animals and that was like fuck no nobody can't do that that's witchcraft <laughs> and evil I'm like their kill their family members are being absorbed by a ship and then what do <laughs> what do the Bingtown traders think of the wit do they know what it is do they what? know what about it is what do this people of the six duchies think about these talking ships <laughs> <That too. laughs> well it sounded like in Ch- in Chalced, the the wit was less and maybe i'm remembering it wrong but frowned it sounded upon. like it was less frowned upon yeah so i mean maybe so this just... is the miami of the map we are in like <laughs> we are even further south where than all the get shipped in <laughs> This is... The Town traders yeah. are like, we've got ships to talk, you can have animals to talk, it's fine, like, we'll be okay. It's fine, yeah. you can kill your grandma on the deck of the ship and you'll celebrate <laughs> well, it. Well, I mean, it sounds like all kinds of magic, scary shit happens with the Rainwild River, so... Yeah. They, I mean, yeah, maybe... So like the, 
talking yeah, chips that make you problem. money are probably <laughs> probably a great thing. I really I liked the history. I think it was in this chapter, the history that we got of like how they came to own the land and everything that they went through and how like the river running through the rainwilds or to the rainwilds or however that river worked, how oh. they <laughs> said that it was almost like toxic with their magic and all the weird things and like there was this blood disease that killed their family members and the rain wilds that are that not in so the left right some of them stayed well, behind that, that, in their some their... of them stayed behind and some of them left and the people that left formed bing town so right and the people who stayed yeah. behind they don't talk about them anymore well and efren doesn't want to go to the rain wilds anymore because that's where the blood plague came from Allegedly. I also want to point out that uh, Wintrow was talking about his like his hallucination uh, masterpiece painting, carving, whatever he was doing. Stained glass. Stained, Stained glass. glass. Okay, yeah, I forgot about that. But he <laughs> he um he was talking about he was communing with a tree, like a like he was talking to the tree, and then yeah. um. In the previous chapter, Paragon was listening, and either Davrard or Minxley was talking about um, the boat was carved from uh, like a magic tree. That's what, where the wizard wood comes from. So I'm I'm thinking it's my uh, my thought that this uh, Chalcid tree or Jamalia, I guess he's in Jamalia, where these priests are, they are communing with a tree. So maybe Saw has something to do. So Saw is a Saw tree. has something to do with this wizard wood, I think. Okay. That's my that's my theory. We're already getting some deep theories here. You know me, I'm just <laughs> just saying shit. <laughs> <laughs> that reminded me, didn't Wintro like um wasn't he like drawing the a random serpent or something? And the priest was like, mm-hmm. it's, there's a serpent again. Do you know why yet? He's like, No. I didn't remember putting it in. Yeah. Huh. Correct. Wintrow put serpents in all of his art. I like it. Okay. Who's, who did chapter four? Me. Chapter four. Divi Town. Uh, so Kennet, our favorite pirate, not at all, um, and the crew of the Marietta arrive in Divi Town, apparently named because it's where they, yep, divvy up their shares. Um, also, it apparently smells terrible and Kennet is a snob about it. Uh, he... <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I appreciate that though because I'm very sensitive to smells. <laughs> Same. Whatever. <laughs> I'm just gonna be mad. At, I'm just gonna be mad at him about everything because that's all, what I want to be. Um, so he's all excited after his visit to Others Island to share his dreams of becoming king of the pirates with his first mate Sorker. But Sorker is not as keen on the idea as Kenneth, and he's my hero for that. Um, basically he pokes a whole bunch of holes in his plan and that leaves Kenneth in a mood cause he's not going to get his way. So sad for you, buddy. Um, so to deal with his bad mood and the fact that his crew doesn't understand basic economics, he goes off to <laughs> the nicest brothel in town because he's just that stand up kind of guy. Um, he walks in like he owns the place, orders everyone around, secures himself the top room, the whore he wants, which is Etta cleaned of course, cause she was with someone else at the time. And the best food and wine, because the wine last time was not good. Um, He then (laughs) 
he basically then proceeds to be weird and gross with Edda for much of the rest of the chapter, and mm-hmm. he does deign to kiss her for a second, which is apparently a new thing. Um, she kind of fawns all over him, which is disturbing, and tries to get him to set her up like a private house just for them when he returns to port, but he's super not into the idea. So then she starts crying, and he can't handle that, so he makes her turn over, but then that's just not the same. So he gets up to go, and as a consolation prize, he wants to give her some extra money, but apparently he left his wallet on the ship. Such a shame. Um, so he gives her the earring he stole from Other's Island instead, and then goes downstairs to tell them to keep her up there waiting for him, because he doesn't want to tell them that he doesn't have money. Of course, then he realizes it was just in the wrong pocket, because the moron can't check both pockets. <laughs> too traumatized by the crying pockets. whore. They're so <laughs> But he can't come back now, so he's got to save face. So, um, the charm on his wrist then scolds him for giving away the only treasure ever taken from Mother's Island, and then goes quiet again. Um, and instead of going straight back to the ship, Ken goes to piss off his tattoo artist instead and gets another tattooed on his neck just so he can burn it off because apparently that fixes all his problems. If you can't tell, I think... Yeah, so we learn in this chapter that he's homophobic and that he's into um, his own body mutilation as, like, his way of coping, which is two very disturbing things. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's an... What are the words for an incel that, like, isn't celibate? Um, Well, I I I was gonna say that he's obviously terrified of, like, any sort of emotional... Um, intimacy or vulnerability and the fact that like Etta's like dude you're the only one who wants to fuck me anyway why don't you just set me up at a house and like because the money you pay her would like set me up and then I don't have to do anything else except be here for you and he's like oh but that would imply like you're my woman Uh, no no thanks (laughs) god forbid but that's also like very manipulative of her because she's like I don't want to be in this brother anymore like give me my own house sugar daddy (laughs) 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 sure but I mean (laughs) is she wrong I mean where's the lie she's obviously yeah no they'd be a match made in heaven to be great (laughs) (laughs) Rachel do you do you think that incels don't have sex or because I kind of think they're involuntary. It's for in, it's it's involuntary celibacy. I, in so cell. first of all, I only <laughs> learned about this term recently. But second of all, I think that it's just a cover for sexism. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He clearly hates women, but he hates women because they are for whatever reason they have something that he needs, whether that's care or intimacy or just sex or you know any of the things and he's so afraid of their judgment and i think he's particularly afraid of people who he considers beneath him judging him back he does the same thing with sorcore i mean this is all like hey what's patriarchy read chapter four of this it's so bad Mm -hmm. all i want to say is that he's not allowed in sad sex anonymous no he's not no no This man is, like, dripping in ego and insecurity, and it's just so gross. How how is Alyssa feeling? (laughs) I've heard your voice. um, About um, your ruthless buccaneer. Oh, God. So, I just think it's interesting rereading the other's prophecies, um, Mm -hmm. because I was surprised to find that it's so soon 
that you see the others say that he'll take things that don't belong to him and it will really come back to bite him in the ass and it's like you already see that like he treats people that way too and god he's just so awful (laughs) it's kind of like when he says no to etta i'm like relieved for her because it's like (laughs) yeah that probably is better than like your day-to-day right now but like also he's terrible yeah yeah you want to like be dependent on this guy he'll just kill you he's just gonna like freak out and choke you to death or something so there are a couple things that it almost it i think it relates to maybe his belief in his luck um and it there are a couple things that do sort of seem like almost like the force if you know what i mean um Like, when he finds the kittens, and then he puts them back, and he's like, I don't know why I did that. And then he, like, almost very purposely has a reason to use that. And then um, when he gives the the earring to Etta, and then uh, his little avatar charm uh, tells him, <laughs> you know, uh, that might have been, like, something very wise that you did, that you gave her... You gave away that treasure that you stole from the island. Um, it, those both, to me, seem like moments like he had no intention of doing that. And then, but maybe they were like, it was like very lucky of him to do that. So I, I don't so know. I think maybe it's interesting. He confused his pockets? Yeah, no, I know. I, I don't <laughs> know at all. I don't know. But it seems like that because he does seem to have a feeling that he is lucky. So that must be founded on something. And then you see a couple instances where, like, maybe he is. He doesn't seem to be that smart. Well, he also talks about how he, like, he's not lucky. He just has to pretend he's lucky because it's part of the myth that he thinks that he's controlling people with. It's like, it's like I can't be killed. I can't be hurt. Everything I do is, you know. I mean, also, is he also shit. says, like, I'm an idiot and I've got to, like, convince everyone i'm not an idiot like his he's the least believable point of view in this entire thing like he's you think he's not believable he's batshit i think he's half the guys i see on the subway (laughs) yeah though he is he is totally bonkers i he seems very real to me (laughs) same yeah i i yeah i totally agree yeah he's too real I mean, I think there's certainly Sorry, like a, a lot of people, you know, in, in the in the world who do have, um, like they have a, a surface level competence to people looking at them from the outside, but then from the inside, like they feel really like, like they feel like they're, you know, like everyone else understands something that they don't, or like they're they're just a complete fuck up, or they're doing it wrong, you know. It's um, I mean, it can come out in a lot of different ways, but like the idea that like they're somehow worse than everybody else. Like that's a thing. Some people actually do have that. I don't know that kind of psychology. And, um, that's like an inf- classic inferiority complex. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. He's like almost the exact syndrome, opposite you know. when he's succeeding though. He feels like he's like, I'm better than you. And I know I'm better than you. And then as soon as something went wrong, it was like a one eighties flip. Well, I think it's, I think it's very performative. I think, that he hates himself and he, he, I don't know. I mean, I, at this point we don't know his history, but like he is 
he is both ruthless and striving to towards a very specific kind of goal but that goal is is made of making himself insulated from ju the judgment of others or at least having so much power that other people cannot judge or hurt him and a man but, who burns the tattoos off of his own flesh can't not hate himself and he does <laughs> talk about it while he's like thinking about um the slaves and how they get scars over their tattoos and it makes me wonder if in some weird way he's jealous of those men because they've been through something like incredibly difficult trying and like torture and maybe he hasn't been through that but wants to act the tough guy yeah, that could Ooh, be that's that yeah. could be true. Yeah, he definitely seemed like, to borrow yeah. that, and also uh, Edda's wizard would like he's he's borrowing things he sees. It, he he feels like um, like he gets uh, decisions on a whim, and then he strives like they are like an all important thing kind of thing. Does that make sense? I, I think everything. I think everything he does is about shoring up that that public persona of invincibility when in reality he is a big he's a big baby. Do you keep making ocean puns on purpose? <laughs> short up, short up. Maybe. I had to, you know, I was bumping up on my vocabulary. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 get going. Um our last chapter to cover is called Bingtown. Who who's got the Bing? I got the Bing. Yay. All right, go. If they divvy in Divvy Town, what do they do in Bingtown? Mm. <laughs> oh, bada bing. They use bing. Bada bing. <laughs> no. <laughs> So after almost three weeks confined to her cabin room, Althea's not doing so good. Um, she reminisces about being on the ship as a child and has an extremely vivid dream about her grandmother. Um, Brashen comes to her room and interrupts and makes extremely rude comments about how haggard she looks and asks if she's okay. And after like three attempts, Althea insists she's fine and she shuts the door in his face. But she does this really cool thing where she touches the floorboards of the ship and she can feel Brashen's presence leaving as though she slipped into the ship's awareness. Um, so they get to Bingtown, yay! And Althea gets some sort of pathetic attempt at washing up and she dons a lady's attire and she goes to the bow of the ship to give Avesha some pensive stares and Brashen interrupts again to make sure she doesn't fall off the side because, God, she looks awful. And <laughs> <laughs> he just can't stop. And... Um, it's here that he tells her that Kyle um, has ordered all of her belongings off the ship, every single last thing, including her stuff in the captain's room. Um, all's ashore that's going ashore. It's happening. They get the sublime pleasure of um, Althea and Kyle get to ride in a horse and buggy to the estate together with no one else because they're <laughs> in such a good mood with each other. <laughs> um Althea starts thinking about all the food that she could be eating right then instead of doing this, and she sighs, and then Kyle misconstrues that for God knows what, and <laughs> asks if she's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they reach the household just in time for there to be no more of this, which I was very relieved <laughs> about. 
Um, so Althea doesn't get the welcome home that she's expecting. Um, the whole family pretty much runs out to greet Kyle and her sister's fawning over him. And Althea just kind of makes her way inside alone where she runs into her mother. Um, she learns her father's sick, so she immediately goes to him. Um, and she like whips back the curtains and takes his hand and he's so skeletal that she thinks, Oh God, he's already dead and I'm touching a dead man. <laughs> um, but then he sickly like wheezes out Althea and <laughs> <laughs> how terrifying. Um, <laughs> and he's like, I'm dying. And she's like, no shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, you need to take me to Vivacia so that I can die there um, and quicken the ship. So meanwhile, Wintro's downstairs. It's his point of view. And um, he gets back home and his dad gets back home and let the abuse begin again. Um, he sees grief hit his grandmother Ronica pretty hard but like she did with Althea before she's like no I'm fine and just kind of takes command of the situation again um Wintro is feeling like a little crapola and left out but he squares his shoulders and says his little saw mantra and he moves on um and to wrap up the chapter Brashen finds Althea passed out in the captain's quarters and he manages to wake her, but she's drowsy and delirious and saying things about the ocean. And it sounds like me when I've been drinking and (laughs) (laughs) all the funeral stuff is ready. Um, Brashen muses about Althea inheriting the ship, um, assuming that she does, which of the crew she'll choose to keep on, and how the Vivacia is his only home. Oh, Brashen's got that, like... Is he our Fitz of this? Uh, I think, yeah. I, he's giving me the Fitz He's the Fitz, for sure. He's yeah. the Fitz, but he's not our, our main point of view anymore. I take it that Althea and Brashen are going to have, like, a little... A little uh-huh. back and forth, you know, <laughs> thing for I get the, I the get whole the, trilogy first book. I, at I least. get the feeling that Brashin would not be would not be opposed. Yeah, yeah. I really liked when she ran into Ronica. She was just like, "Your father's dying." She's like, "Thanks, hello to you too." Ooh, yeah, <laughs> my family loves me so much. <laughs> I mean, it's hard because like they've been dealing with this like horrible like the tragedy of his dying slowly the whole summer and they've just been excruciatingly wait for the ship to get back and then it finally is and it's almost too late and it's like there's no time yeah there's no time and there's no there's no energy like they're all just so exhausted it's just like finally you're here let's just get it over with kind of let's just get on the ship and get him dead (laughs) like there's such there's such an energy like though to um to the sort of rejecting children like you you don't fit the mold we want fuck you you're not part of the family you're you're enough of the fa- enough part of the family that we're going to use you for our own ends but we're not actually going to support you or welcome you or have anything to give to you that like that's how they treat Althea and that's how they're treating Wintrow and like that's I mean it's right yeah well it's, I feel like I get you get the feeling that Efren didn't treat Althea that way right no but that's how his, that's yeah. how he her was... mother is treating her yeah. um and I like I don't I don't give a shit, like, how deep your grief is. 
like if you're a real mother you don't fucking do that so fuck you Ronica no I reject you too you're not a mother <laughs> Ronica go on die on she's the ship like, <laughs> she's consumed with maintaining the, the family's finances it's kind of sad yeah yeah well, I mean, I'm sure she had her disappointments, you know, because clearly she loved her husband and they had, you know, plans and dreams, but like he was off on his ship most of the time. I'm sure there was like a lot of yeah. resentment that she's not willing to like admit that she even feels for him. It didn't seem like that a would great contradict marriage. the fact that like she loves him so much, you know, so yeah, I think that there's probably a lot going on for her and I'm sure that she's you know, managing to, like, project a lot of her resentment at her husband onto the daughter who got to go with him and, like, be part of that yes. life and be on that ship with him while she was, like, stuck, you know, running the estates on land. But I don't know. I kind of have the impression that had she ever fucking wanted to get on the ship with him, he probably would have been like, come on, babe, let's go. Like, yeah. and she didn't. Yeah, for so, sure. I get that, too. You know. Yeah. So I guess I guess my point is I don't on a personal level have a whole lot of tolerance for like unspoken resentments and like living a life that you didn't want to fucking live. Like, I don't know. Figure out what you want to do. This is not a happy family. No. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And no, they're chopped yeah. into pieces. There's yeah, like nobody's on the same page with each other. And like the most important thing to all of them is this unborn ship, right? Yeah. This unborn collective of all of the ancestors' memories that they don't even know those people. Yeah. So, cool. <laughs> but she's going to make them um, all rich again and, uh, you know, turn the family fortunes around. So, uh, that is, that is really, yeah, seems to be really important. Um, yeah, so we did get, a, we, did we get another shout out in this chapter? Or I guess, no, not in this one. It was the other Ronica chapter where she talks about, the, the red ship war yeah that's in chapter three uh-huh yeah so so we know roughly what the time period is mm-hmm. maybe although, I, I mean assuming I, I think it's like right at the end of the last books right yeah i think i think so i think she said they that were was winding down but like not done yet <laughs> No, I mean, no one's talking about weird flying stone dragons. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But would they remember it anyways? <laughs> That's they true. They would you right, <laughs> Now, the ships are uh, not taking people's memories. Exactly. I missed this because I was drinking and had to pee, but um, we <laughs> didn't talk about slavery in Bingtown, and I think we should. I, all right. Yes, Eli, I think we should talk about slavery in this town. I mean, what the hell? What the hell is going on? It's slavery is not legal, but it is but as long as them. you're just trading the slaves and they don't stay there. And Raish Raish isn't a slave. She's just this lady. That's well, that's house. the whole thing, is like they're not slaves, they're indentured servants. Yeah, yeah as long exactly. as you don't call them slaves, they're legal. Yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, and the indentured servants can even have the slave trying to buy their place on the council so that, yeah, it's, yeah. Also, Ronica thinks the slaves bring it out of themselves. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was... Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Mm, I was extremely frustrated with Ronica in general, but especially in her Rach interaction where she's thinking about her, and Rach just reminds me of every underpaid retail worker I have ever met. (laughs) 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 I think she's allowed to be salty. And she has no training, and they're all, like, mad at her that she does things 
poorly and it's like well no one's li- literally no one's ever shown her how to do did, it and yeah like how would she doesn't know did she to. used to come from like a wealthy family or something is that what was implied that's the implication that she's yeah she's like a person who used to have money whose family went to debt and probably sold her for their debts yeah and... that's now she's indentured. I mean, so, so long cool. as she's able to get away with the really low quality service, <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's probably doing better in, in as Ronica's pseudo maid than anything else. Although, you know, this family, I don't know how much longer I'd want to hang out with them. Things aren't, things aren't going to go great. <laughs> well, the person Pretty she's fine. taking care of is soon going to melt into a ship and die. So, you know. <laughs> She'll have to find new duties. That would at least be morbidly fascinating if she's allowed to watch. I'd be like, cool, can I go? Well, we haven't heard much from the sister yet, but I imagine she's pretty insufferable, so. She seems insufferable. Anyone married to Kyle? Come on, Kyle? Kyle's just mad that his name is fucking Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) How did he get named Kyle? Like all these fantasy names, you right? know, and it's like, man, I'm Kyle. <laughs> I mean, I suppose he could, could have been named Mild, like that one random person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That is like, a weird that's... name. Mild. I mean, Mishap, I definitely think is like the worst, but, you know, Mild is pretty bad as well. Mild. But Kyle is also terrible. Considering the, the genre. Cat and Kyle. <laughs> I forget, is the rest of his family just normal names? Does he have a dad named Jeffrey or something? <laughs> Bob. His, his brother's his dad's name is Bob. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't like Sorry food. to all the listeners who may or may not be named Bob, Chad, or Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a Chad, and remember the Chad that died in the last... <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about enough for for the listeners maybe they were related um yeah. i'm not saying kyle is a bad name i'm saying kyle is a particularly normal name in a cast of fantasy names do you think he was like so. sad that he didn't get to name his kids normal names and like they got named malta selden and and Wintro, do you think he was? Like... I really like the name Wintro. I will say that. I read it and I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm there. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he feels like a Wintro. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, "What's that supposed to mean?" <laughs> I'm gonna count Never mind. About it. Wondering is against Saw's precept. I shouldn't Wintra count about it. Of... I'll try to understand it. <laughs> Wintro could be part of Sad Sex and all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. He's in it. He's he's a hundred percent in it. A he's gimpy arm, and he Eagles got shipped Club. off to preschool. So like, he didn't yeah. have the gimpy arm. Uh, Baron doll did he, the guy whose name looks like. Oh, uh, I thought he had the gimpy arm. Well, no, in the book, it no in the chapter for Wintro, it says that he broke his arm when he was a child, and it never. I thought that was Wintro. That was Baron doll. Oh, I, I can't read you guys. Kick me off the podcast. <laughs> You know it what? doesn't I have, matter. Like, this, it really I have this doesn't. thing about like being right, and so I'm just going to pull it up. <laughs> Jenny, I just saw this picture that you texted to the thread. Of the fish person? <laughs> that's, oh that's my a, god. That's another, right? That's another. <laughs> Wearing a hoodie. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Maybe you can post that with the episode. Yeah, I'll put it in the description. I don't know what that's from, but I just liked it, and it was going with my... Oh, I'm gonna process. make this the Spotify image. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> you guys, I'm too busy trying to see if I'm right or wrong. What are You're you wrong. Don't worry about, about it. Check, read, check this text I hate, chat. I, I, have to, I have to bet against you here, Ashley. I think Eli had it right that it was it was the other priest that, um, like, but well, the photo is just like our avatars, huh? No, no, no. Look at the Buckkeep Radio thread. Uh, the text thread. Okay. Jk, Jk. <laughs> I've got too much going on. Too much going on. Live from. I really wanted Wintro to have the Gimpy Army guys. Find the fish. <laughs> Live from the six duchies in the middle of a red ship war. We hear that you can hear us all the way in Bingtown. <laughs> but like the slavery guys, it's so crazy. Everybody's so okay with it, and like literally, even the pirate city gets raided for. Do you know why they're okay with it, Eli? Because their ships are also slaves. Okay, if I was a boat. Why? <laughs> I just love the way that started. If I was a boat, <laughs> I was a boat. No, but seriously, like, why did just because just because they ate like three of your grandparents <laughs> means that they have to like carry shit back and forth for you between Bingtown and Jamalia? Oh. But you know, but it, this is just like Star Wars. Their whole economy. It is, is all of it. Even Divi Town gets raided for slaves. Everybody, Divi Town, they send out the ships, they go, whatever t- ships they take, those people are slaves. It's like whoever is strongest is like, oh, I'll just take you, you're a slave. Everybody's a slave. It's it's crazy. But, you know, Veronica and Devon still have that whole conversation. I mean, has anyone else, like, done any reading on, like, how impressment worked and, like, the fact that it was like if you were being impressed into the navy like at certain periods even in american history like it was basically like they could snatch you off the street and like say you're you're in the navy now sailor and like that was fine that was legal like that that was a thing mm-hmm. so, so probably part of why they're also okay with with the aspect of slavery is that in the first place like a lot of service on ships especially for um not you know uh high up meritorious positions was often involuntary because it was shitty uh, also like they they can't they're traders they can't um they can't be picky about the cargo that they carry um so you know there's like a, a monet well it seems like Efren was yeah, yeah. like you're right. He also has a magic um, ship, and can they're also the pirates. Yeah, they're also going to lose everything because he was he was picky. I, I I wonder though. Like I think we should also point out the fact that like when when uh, Ronica is talking to Devad and she's you're kind of getting like the history of the Bingtown traders. Like these are people who were probably like uh, not like doing the greatest in Jamalia, and the satrap was like, "Well, fine, go to this shitty place that I don't care about, yeah. and settle it." And I'll let you own the land that I don't even really fucking own. And you can live on it and give me half your profits. And that's just colonialism. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Again, I, kind of long for the six duchies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so it, I think I think there are just a lot of hypocrites. Yes, ex- exactly. But I, I think I think um, you know the pointing out that Efren seemed actually to not take that perspective that he actually had sort of um, a moral compass and you know was like I want the best sailors on my ship. I'm going to treat them well. I'm going to pay them well. I'm going mm-hmm. to be you know I'm going to be discriminating in like the type of 
you know, cargo that I carry and the type of um, trading that I do. Like, so that's part of why, like, the, the Vestris become, like, a good main character family because they have, like, a moral compass to them, like, as a family. And then it's also why Kyle is so fucking insidious because he's, yeah. like, ruining that. They're not absolute pieces of crap. Right. But he, but he's like, (laughs) he is, he's injecting like the, the lack of, of morals and the, oh, this is just business. And like, this is what you do for business. Like, but is it son? Like, is it? Is it? And he also took, yeah, it's like, I I don't know. Like there's. He's also slightly incompetent too. So it's like, he's like shitty and (laughs) not very good at his jobs. Right. And, and I mean like Annie hit. Althea just for making a smart ass comment, which is just like, okay, guy, okay. At this point, you're worse behaved than the shitty pirate who kills people rather than pay them their art fee. I feel like he and Regal would get along. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Small ferret, where are you? Oh, small (laughs) ferret. My ship exclusively carries ferrets back and forth between <laughs> the six duchies and Bingtown. <laughs> In fact, I'm just going to carve my ship as a ferret. It's a trap See what trap. happens. With wings. Snip, snip, like a cookie. <laughs> All right, I would like to move us into every episode. <laughs> I tried to make these piratical. So the first one is called <laughs> This Be My Crew, Character Introductions and Exits. So, Lord, there were so many. All of them. <laughs> All of our main characters. I think we've discussed uh, them. Does anyone have a favorite so far? My favorite is Kenneth's little avatar wristband. <laughs> just because he's just he's just a little little square of wood and he has complete disdain for Kenneth. Like he's just, he just judges him, and I'm right. just like, he's "You're like, a piece of shit, and I don't asshole. give a shit about you." And I'm going to talk to you once every five weeks. I don't care. He's just a piece of wood. Reflecting Kenneth's view of himself. He's a little piece of wood, and he doesn't yeah. give a shit about the person totally. he's tied to. It's so funny. I don't know. I just, for some reason, I just envisioned this that little pendant as being like. And it's probably because I should never have watched this movie when I was like five years old. But in Puppet oh, no, Master, yeah, like, okay, it just seems very like like one of those it little comes back to Puppet creepy Master. heads. <laughs> no, it always comes back to Puppet Master. All right. Uh, so, so is that your favorite character then, Ashley? No, God, no. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> that little lady who spits leeches. Ugh. Um. <laughs> No! Oh, gosh. I don't know yet. It might be too early. I don't know if I was introduced to characters that I'm totally, like, sold on just yet. I really, I kind of, I don't know why, but I found Wintro to be kind of endearing. I don't know if it was the whole sad sack thing, and I'm just used to rooting for the sad He's sack. actually trying to be nice to people. <laughs> um, I mean, I did like Wintro and Crashin for that reason, yes. Yeah, I mean, I liked Efren, but he's going to fucking die, so yeah, I'm not going to get too invested. He could pull through, Ashley. He's not going to pull through. <laughs> he's fucking dying. Just <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> <laughs> in the nick of time, they invent antibiotics. You never know what you'll find in the rain wilds. Uh, I'm going to pick my favorite character as the other. No, um... <laughs> The other? I really liked the other too. <laughs> you know, and you get cool tattoos. Fish, fish head in a hoodie, and uh... 
Outside of the fact that he was terrified of cats, I thought that he was pretty good. <laughs> I mean, he had disdain for Kenneth also, so, you know, win. Right. Um, <laughs> I do like Althea. So far. I don't, she, okay. I, she seems a little prone to like, maybe like temper tantrums a little bit, which is the only kind of off-putting thing to me. But they're against Kyle, and so I think that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so far, so far she has been aimed at the right, at the correct. <laughs> yes, yeah. We'll target. see how that goes. Yeah. And she's also a kid, right? Like, what, she's like 18, yeah. 17, 18. I think yeah, I would be the same if I were a rich 18-year-old. I think I'd probably be similar. We lived on a boat yeah. that was supposed to. Like, I liked her whole like, thing of like, I don't want to wear skirts; they're so cumbersome. Just put me in pantaloons. I could appreciate that. Yeah, like the teacher in Anne of Green Gables when she was running down to the ship to get it prepared, and she's like, "God damn skirts! They're so inconvenient." <laughs> uh, Alyssa, favorite character. Oh, uh, ah, I love Althea so much, but I read before, so my answer for now is also the others because they remind me of archivists <laughs> that, like, you have to make an appointment to go see, and it's really hard, and then you get there, and they're hovering over your shoulder the whole time with this <laughs> object book, and, like, you're gonna pour orange soda on it, and they're just and like, just smash it with your heel. Don't hold it that way. And <laughs> you just put it in your pocket. And say kittens and run away. Look, <laughs> <laughs> a cat. Uh, oh. um, I think uh, I, I liked um, Brashen and Althea about equally. So it's convenient that I really liked Althea because I think I'm probably cosplaying her. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Althea's. The, I, I like. I like Yay! Althea too. Um, I I have to say though, I love Paragon because the the potential for histrionic dra- dramatics i think is just... i was also going to say paragon but that's only because i know things and it's just but it's also just like he's like i wonder if i was talking yeah. tiny bits if i could finally die and i'm like oh that's that he's, really he's very melodramatic and i do like that it's very, uh, uh, very and also small shout out to the tangle because even though i find them absolutely disgusting and perverse uh perverse. they're weird and i like that more weird stuff. <laughs> so the next section is called x marks oh, the spot where the heck are we in relation to fits south yeah i was gonna say like West, down there a bit southeast south somebody who followed me on instagram and uh, then I followed them back because they were doing like Robin Hobbs stuff uh, is like making maps. And I don't I'm sorry, I don't remember the, the handle, but it was like really cool. And uh, I noticed that Bingtown and Chalced are like south of the mountains. And so it's like Chalced and the Rainwilds and then Bingtown and then like the Pirate Isles. Pirate Isles and then Jamalia, like even farther down. Yeah, those yeah. yeah. So yeah. So Jamalia is like super, super south. And then Pirate Isles and then Bingtown and then Chalced and then Mountain Kingdom. If you give me the handle, I will put it in the description. Yeah, yeah I, I have to go find up. that. Okay. I wanna know. I just know that they have good pants in Jamalia. 
<laughs> yes. Good pants. Uh, I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah. So while you do that, we're going to go to the next <laughs> section called What a Tangle. What are the dragons doing? Eating their own skin. Not Being cool gross. player. Seeking. Bathing in their own toxins. <laughs> Shaking shit up. On their way. On their way to start a fight. Joy. Yeah. Like the jets. Jets. Yeah. They can't snap, oh, though. I, sa- I found it. I found it. Z- hmm. Zan Mirmin. Zan Mirmin. Well, well, that's not helpful. Zan Mirmin. Can you spell it for Zan our Mirmin. listeners? Z A A N M E E R M I N. And there's a lot of pretty maps. Cool. And I think that a lot of them must be Realm of the Elderings, Elderling stuff. Cool. Oh yeah, pretty maps. Well, they're the ones that did the the coloring book thing. Ooh. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Same. yeah, with uh, fits and shade. Yeah. Oh my god! They told cool. to listen to us. Thank you, Zan Mirman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good follow. Next section is called the ships talk. What did we learn about live ship ships in this section? Uh, not enough. They eat people. Not enough. They don't they care have about emotions. people at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. They, they get bored with their jobs just like the rest of us. <laughs> they want to be chopped to bits. They want to be chopped to bits. They work when they're upside down. <laughs> I guess so. We'll learn about mm-hmm. more of that later. But Paragon uh, didn't seem like he was treated very well, though, by whoever owned him. Paragon seems like he's had a rough life. Paragon's rocking some uh, some acute PTSD. It's what makes you right. say that? Yeah. He's a philosopher. <laughs> he's going to make it through. Oh, these maps are great, you guys. I know. I'm checking them out. They're nice. Uh, and our final section is called, Is This the Patriarchy, Misogyny, Capitalism, Slavery, and Fashions from Jamalia? The pants. <laughs> Pantalons. We know that women wear skirts and men wear pants. That's what we know. No mixing. Otherwise, it's weird. Boys have a penis. Girls have a vagina. <laughs> Name that movie. Name it. Who it knows pop. it? Oh, well, Rachel, you weren't supposed to answer again. No, you know it. <laughs> um, it is interesting to like see it from this other side of the world because Jamalia in... The previous trilogy was always just like, oh, hey, that's where the cool fashions come from. And then... At what cost? You know, we learn so many more things about Jamelia now. Yeah. Just even in a few chapters. Like, they have slavery and colonialism, and they don't do anything about pirates and magic <laughs> stuff. And girls have to wear dresses. Boo. I would not like Actually, to Actually, I love wearing dresses, but whatever. Yeah, but the sleeves, the slash sleeves... But sleeves are not skirts. So if we had to live anywhere in the map right now, are we up? Oh, I'm Mountain Kingdom. (laughs) (laughs) How far north can you go? (laughs) (laughs) I'm team bottom of the ocean. Others island, just hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) 
looking for you'll get used to the smell it'll be fine every time i put my phone down it's like oh, damn it i gotta go to others island and get it because that's probably where it ended up <laughs> and its own little alcove mm-hmm. okay um so reminder our next reading section is going to be chapters six through ten i have no content warnings for that section so celebrate Hooray. yo a whole five chapters yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I Yay. am Rachel. You can find me at Darth Rachel on Twitter, Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram. Uh, and Alyssa, you're next. I'm Alyssa. You can find me at AlyssaMaynard.com. Uh, I'm Jenny, and you can find me at FacelessFray on Instagram. I'm Eli, and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay on Instagram. And I don't think I've ever mentioned this, but I'm also Chewy Bread Cos on Twitter, but I couldn't fit the cosplay because there weren't enough characters. But also you should follow Eli because he just, he's been posting some really baller pictures of his full cosplay recently. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't, we we should have talked about that, but I I don't like to talk about stuff. You're so emo in them. It is just perfection. I have a good full cosplay. You should check out my full cosplay. Yeah. And your captions are even better. Like, I fucking <laughs> laugh so hard every time you, like, actually put a caption on them. Thank you. I'm Elena. You can find me at Moff Elena, I think, on uh, Twitter as well as Instagram. But literally, I never get on Twitter, so don't bother with that. But Instagram, I do, like, post sometimes and try and capture my cosplays <laughs> sometimes. And I'm Ashley. You can find me on Instagram, at Ladybird Parker. I'm also on Twitter, but I post on that shit like once every five and a half years. So don't be looking. <laughs> All right. You can email us at buckkeepradio at gmail.com. Uh, check out our other pods. I've got them listed on the website. Again, we've got little playlists on there. We've got like a little guide to all of us. And you can find all of the links to our social. Uh, I worked a whole 25 minutes on the website, so you should check it out. It's buckkeepradio. <laughs> podbean.com next up is going to be a spoiler section which I assume will not be very long but thanks uh, (laughs) talk to you guys next week I don't have to be on the spoiler section this time time. yeah I feel like I'm on PTO making mouth noises at each other vacation Just you and all the fishes in the sea. Okay. Um, So next in the next section, we're going to see Efren die and the Vivacia quicken. We meet Amber, or we see Amber, but we don't meet Amber. I think we meet Amber in our thirds in the third. Yes, because Althea spots her across the marketplace. Yes, like they go by her, and Brashen's like, "She's cool. She's she's totally cool." And like Althea's like, "I am threatened by how amazing that yeah. person Ooh. is." <laughs> <laughs> Who could this person be? I just like how Brashen. I just like how Brashen is like super chill and down with Amber. Like, I think it's that whole like black sheep kind oh, of yeah, thing. Oh yeah, I don't belong. You don't you know? belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're friends. Nice. Yeah, I don't belong. You don't belong. Yeah. We're friends. My friend makes rad jewelry. And all of this talk, reading it now, because I, again, I've only read this trilogy the one time and it was, and it was a while back. Um, 
all of these mentions of like going up the wild, you know, the rain wild river and everything. And I just keep thinking of like all these characters we haven't met yet. And like everything that's going to happen to Malta, who really does start out not, not, um, Oh, I thought Sansa was bad. And then I read Malta and oh, oh, just incredible stuff happens. I mean, kind of like greatest glow up, I think in like all of the characters, I think like, from start to finish, like where they start and how much I loathe them, and then like where they where they are at the end and how much I admire them. I think Malta definitely. Oh wins yeah, I think me. reading um, fiction, fantasy in general, she's got the crown on that one for me. So yeah. much. Oh, they have Love so it. much to look forward to, don't they? <laughs> yes. Um, what else? Oh, uh, I love... So, actually, the, the, I'm not quite three sections ahead. The chapter that I just finished is the chapter where Brashen has already decided to, like, camp inside Paragon. And uh, Althea's like, I need a place to stay. I guess I'll go get Paragon. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is the best meet cute oh ever. <laughs> Let's both camp in the crazy boat. Uh, they're so like each other. It's remarkable. But he's like, he runs like really like, like neutrally like cold and she runs yes. really hot. Oh, outwardly for sure. But. Yeah, like very like complimentary. I like them together a lot. Yeah. I remember like thinking that I, I really enjoyed like that kind of like almost traditionally like romance fantasy aspect of this trilogy where it's like. Like, because, you know, in the other books, Fitz and Molly are together and, like, you know, whatever. We know how I feel about <laughs> Molly. But it's not... It's, like, an accessory to his life. It's, like, something that happens to him that it just makes him a more well-rounded person, right? But this... But I think Brashen and Althea is more, like, has all... A lot of the hallmarks of, like, a fantasy romance Oh, and story. there's so much of that in Rainwilds. It's... Rainwilds are very romantic lots of love quartet yes well i do i do know that the rain wilds has a like same sex romance wonderful yeah which is yeah so like i'm looking forward to like reading reading that aspect of the story especially after kind of the the torture that you go through and like the fits and the fool (laughs) like arc it's like just give it to me just give it to me so hopefully Hopefully that does it for there, me. It's <laughs> where, yeah, if it's in the fuller unrequited, there's so much getting together <laughs> between everybody. Oh, man, you'll get sick of it. <laughs> no, impossible. I read a lot of romance novels. Oh, <laughs> really? I never would have guessed. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. I... I don't know. It's like it's like my favorite kind of book to read on the train, especially like Regency and like stuff like that. Oh, um, you got to recommend me because some stuff. Oh, I can send you, well, Sarah McLean for one, definitely. And Tessa Dare are like my two, like if you're kind of like into like feminist, not slavishly historical, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't need it to be that misogynistic. <laughs> Feminism and history. I don't know. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. I love it. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, cause I like that. Cause the heroines are generally like scientists or you know like much more like it's like modern people kind of not literally but they're very modern characters dropped into these regency histories and then you know 
it's just like if you if you if you're obsessed with Pride and Prejudice and like Jane Austen novels like me, <laughs> you just can't stop reading them. Uh, and they're very formulaic and very comforting. I like the, the thing I like about romance is that one consent is always like a big deal. And like emotional connection is always a big deal. And like communication is always a big deal. And it's not just like, I'm an idiot and you're an idiot. And then the plot just happened. It's always the way that things resolve is that people talk to each other. Uh, So I think, I think we have a lot to learn from romance as a genre. So I like those aspects that I find in, in these books. Oh, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can see, yeah. Wanting to hold on to that. Yeah, because sometimes like, that's not the world we just... live in <laughs> most of the time. No, it's absolutely yeah. not. It's absolutely not. And I think like what we were kind of hinting at before and that Eli was not getting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, is, is that like Kenneth is a real person and Kenneth is not, you know, Kenneth is out there in in force. Yeah, we've met Kenneth like in our lives and Kyle's. I meet Kenneth and, every day yeah. and Kyle's and yeah, and it's terrifying because that's that's what you're navigating in in your space right like those those are those are the people out there that are bigger than you and stronger than you and that you have to figure out how to like please and navigate around and then you have characters like Brashen and Fitz who who are like big and strong and things like that but they're kind and they're soft and they just want to like care for people and like Fitz is tragic because they turn him into a weapon, but I think Brashen is like more successful at being able to, I mean, he fails a little bit, but then like, you know, that's his arc, mm-hmm. but it, being able to say like, okay, Althea, I like her. And I say, and I promise, you know, in the next section, he's going to promise Efren that he's going to protect her. Mm-hmm. And he like, he really tries. He's so good. We have our good he boys. so hard. It's just a good, yeah, him and Wintrow. It's like, thank God, because you can't just give us can it and then like not give us something to come back from oh exactly but i mean yeah at first if we didn't have like yeah winter on brashen in these first few characters uh, it would have been oh all the men are awful yeah and all the women are like reactionary and And it's in i think i think what elena was saying too is really astute is that Ronica resents Althea because Althea has what Ronica didn't and and probably wanted oh for sure especially because she, she's that much of a generation closer to when women had more um say and do and choice right it's like the opposite of what we have now where it's like we've gone from well, I'm sure that comes in cycles. I'm sure if you go back far enough, women, like pioneer women probably had just as much property, you know, but. Oh, yeah. Pioneer women. For- and it reminded me of um, World War Two when women were working and then men came back and were like, OK, give it up. We're back. To yeah. Jobs. Yeah. That's all. That's ours now. Yeah. So it's like it's like that kind of like distance from. Because it's like, OK, if I go back to like whatever my ancestors were in like 1900 or. Maybe that's not a good example because my grandma came here in 1902. Oh, grandma. Uh, and she was like an adventurous person. But if I go back like 150 years or something and like they're probably like wearing corsets and like they couldn't have their own bank accounts and like are probably even in the 50s they couldn't have their own bank accounts, you know, and it's like the farther into the future we go, the more independent I am able to be. Whereas in this universe, it's the opposite. So yeah, for Veronica, it is a tragedy a little bit because she gave up all of that 
to be part of this traitor family. Or, and she sees Althea getting what she probably deserved. But there's also like this weird emphasis on blood relation that I think we'll talk about more in the next section with the rest of the group. Yes. Yeah, I haven't gone in um, read further. Yeah. Again. But... Well, the fact that like there has to be like a person of a certain line on the ship and that's who has a connection with with, oh uh, yes the ship. yeah which is why wintro has to oh, okay okay yeah yes yes that's weird i think that's weird like just because someone's related to you means that they have access to this memory or loyalty or we'll talk about it in the next section but i think it's weird i think it's cool how the dragons or the serpents have their ancestral memory and then the people and the bingtown life ship traders have theirs through the wizardwood dead dragon yeah yeah Hmm. are they a stand-in for oil wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) who knows find out next time all right good talking with you rach i love these this is so much fun (laughs) Cool. Cool. Uh, Talk to you next time. See you on the ocean.